2: Max Verstappen gets one hand on the trophy after he takes his 10th Grand Prix win of the season and his 30th career win. Hi, I'm Louise Goodman and
0: you're listening to The Fantastic Cut to the Race podcast.
1: Hello, my name is John Milander and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi,
2: I'm Jordan King and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Rocky. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here to discuss round 15 of the Formula 1 2022 championship, the Dutch Grand Prix. To discuss this Grand Prix with me, we have our Formula Nerds deputy editor, Abby. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I was a bit tired before the race because I had to get up for early for Formula 3, but F1's Grand Prix woke me up, so I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm very good, thanks for asking. I, I missed the F3 today, I slept in, and I, missed, uh, I actually slept in so late that I missed the beginning of the F2 race as well. And we also have F1 writer and Formula E writer, Catherine, how are you?
1: I am good, thank you. It was actually a pretty exciting and like surprising Grand Prix, so I'm really excited to get to it.
2: Indeed, it was. Um, it was more exciting than last year. Would you agree with that, Abby? I thought I thought it was better than last year.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. This one definitely exceeded my expectations. So I'm quite glad that that Zandvoort's back on the calendar.
2: Indeed, it was only the second time we've been been there in this generation. Um, Catherine, did you think it was better than last year as well?
1: Yeah, I think it was better, and also, now this time, you know, like, the fans, they had a the world champion, not just Max Verstappen, and so that made it even good.
2: Yes, indeed. Now, let's start, as we always do, with our race ratings. I would say ladies first, but I can't today, because there's two of you. Uh, Abby, I'll start with you, alphabetically your first. Um, what was your race rating of the Dutch Grand Prix this week?
0: I would give it a seven, which... It's, I've given it seven because Mercedes were in the fight, so it was quite a tense battle. It wasn't just Ferrari and Red Bull. Mercedes were there. There was some pure racing. We saw some great battles on track. There was no flares during the Grand Prix, which I really appreciated because I do think they kind of were in the spectacle for fans if they're watching from home. I wouldn't give it higher, however, because there were some parts that... I don't think we're entirely fair, shall I say, so I'm giving it a 7 out of 10.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the flares thing, just to pick up on that, we're going to talk about this more during the show, but I think it's probably worse if you're standing next to a bloke in real life with a flare in your face. I I, I saw one of the shots and there was this guy and he he couldn't breathe and he was almost just an orange man. Uh, There were many orange uh, people, obviously, at this Grand Prix, but Catherine, what was your um, race rating?
1: I think I'm going to give it the same as Abby, 7 on 10. I think it was, I liked this sort of mystery to it. Because at the beginning of the weekend, we were a lot more looking at the medium and then going to the soft compound. Whereas then, they, I think the teams were shocked by how the hard compound worked even better. But yeah, there were some things that I found a bit questionable too especially with um some drivers being summoned to the stewards which I'm sure we're going to talk
2: more about. Indeed we will. Um I am going to I I always I always pick something else but I'm just going to agree with you because you you both nailed it. It was a 7 out of 10 for me better than last week that's for sure. And I think it's shown that this track can actually um provide racing as well. Um which was good because based on last year I thought it was going to be pretty boring. Now before we go into the race weekend we have had some news this week. After the news from the Nerds podcast, which we need to cover, Oscar Piastri has confirmed where he's going. He's going to McLaren. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Catherine, did you believe it when you heard it?
1: I was still waiting for his announcement, to be fair. I think now with every sort of, like, driver signing, I'm just going to look at the driver's page first. It, it's just it has to be done.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Because Alpine, I don't, I'm not sure I'll believe who they announced next. Um, Abby, what did you think of, um, Piastri finally announcing that he's going to McLaren, which we all knew anyway, but finally the deal is, the deal is done.
0: Yeah. I'm quite glad that they have now officially confirmed it. All parties involved have confirmed it because it kind of felt like it was being dragged on a bit, this whole Piasco drama. Um, I think he can do well at McLaren. I feel like there might be some high expectations of him, given his track record in F3 and F2, but he has had a year out. He hasn't raced in Formula 1 before, so I think it's it's unprecedented as to how he will perform, especially compared to Lando, who is a young driver himself. I am very sad that Danny Rick, at the moment, doesn't have a place to go, especially with the rumours surrounding Alpine seat and then potentially Alpha Tauri's as well. But I'm glad that the Piastri news has officially been confirmed.
2: What I thought was a little bit unfair, and I want your view on this, um, obviously Alpine took this to the contract recognition board, which we have um, discussed. We knew that was happening. But because they, they lost essentially, uh, and McLaren won, their driver. Alpine were hit with nearly half a million quid's worth of costs that they have to pay for going through that process. Um, Catherine, you're nodding because do you agree that that's, that just seems so unfair? They have been completely shafted by Piastri.
1: I think it's really unfair how Piastri treated Alpine because at the same time they were the ones that brought him into F1 and they were kind enough at the beginning of the season to be like if McLaren needs a driver because maybe one of the drivers is sick because COVID-19 is still an issue then you have the option of going to them and driving in F1 so we cannot really say that they were just limiting him like they were trying to find other options for him to actually drive in F1 so I think it is really unfair, and I do feed for them, because they treated him right, and in return, all they got was an available seat with a lot of rumours around it, and a lot of costs too.
2: Indeed, and, you know, Piastri, he's making the right decision for his career, so I'm not sure we can be angry at Piastri or think that he he's unfair. I think that his management, Mr. Mark Webber, clearly is an intelligent man, understands how the sport works, has changed teams himself, and uh, did, did did the best for Oscar Piastri. But Danny Rick, the seat obviously Piastri is taking, he didn't have a good weekend again, and it sort of just confirms that this is probably the right decision for McLaren. Would you agree with that, uh, Abby? I know you're a big McLaren fan, big Danny Ricardo fan, but... I th- Personally, I think this is just proof that what they've done is the right thing.
0: Yeah, for McLaren, I think when they signed Ricardo, they had some expectations and goals that they wanted him to meet. And he has unfortunately failed to meet those goals, despite bringing them a win in Monza last season. It is the right move for the team because Ricardo is struggling to get to grips with that car. But again, it, at the moment, Ricardo is technically out of F1 because he doesn't have a seat so that is really sad i'm hoping he'll get a seat somewhere else but for mclaren i think the way that they that team works having piastri is the best move for them
2: uh, absolutely and we are still to find out if ricardo's career will continue next year in f1 but all the talk now is about gasly going to alpine which unbelievably sam predicted about 4 years ago and it's looking like it's gonna happen, isn't it? Alpine want Gasly. I think that's a great move for Gasly. Otherwise his career is almost it's it's on a one way one way path, isn't it, Catherine?
1: Yeah, and actually I do hope that he goes to Alpine because they are growing as a team and they have a good car. So hopefully, you know, he can bring some good results for them. Unfortunately, Gasly's is- still waiting because Alpha Tauri want to sign Colton Herta, but Colton Herta doesn't have a super license, but he might get it because there is, um, a COVID clause still in the rules. So because drivers, like, they had to spend some time not driving, basically, because of COVID, it might allow, like, give an exception to some drivers to still get the super license because they basically had to spend a year off. So hopefully Helmut Marko and Red Bull can get around that. And maybe we can see Colton Herta in F1 next year. But it's a question whether he's ready or not.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think there was some news that's just come out around this super license and Colton Herter sort of as we're recording this. Um, but, Abby, why have Alpine not chosen to take Daniel Ricciardo back?
0: I don't know. It, it's a tough one. I think there's a lot of options that they could take, including Gasly and even Schumacher, potentially. I know Ocon is quite keen to have Mick in his seat because they are friends. But... Um, I think Ricardo could go to Alpine though I think that would be quite a good choice I feel like the way that Alpine have built themselves up I mean they're fourth in the constructors championship this year I think it's a lot better than it was when it was Renault before so it would be a good choice for Ricardo. but he did leave them once before so whether they want him to come back whether they left on friendly terms I don't know.
2: Yeah, I remember that being a bit of a painful breakup. Uh, That could have been the drive to survive dramatization of it. But Catherine, it's known that Ocon and Gasly don't get on. So do you you think that will influence whether Gasly goes into Alpine? Or, you know, Nika Rosberg spoken about it a lot this weekend. It's about getting on and driving, right? It's not about whether you like someone or not. You can still have a successful race team.
1: It is about getting on and just driving. But at the same time, you need to think about a situation where if the teams have to switch cars around and the other driver is like, I'm not going to switch the car so that he can, you know, overtake me and basically just give more to the team. So there is that factor that still plays. And especially because Alpine are still trying to get to the top, it'll even be more important that the two drivers work together rather than compete against each other.
2: Absolutely. So we will follow what happens. We've got our news from the Nerd Show coming up on Wednesday where we'll update you on all the latest, greatest news that you need to know. So make sure you download that on Wednesday and you will hear what's happened since this. Let's talk about the weekend. So going into practice, Mercedes seemed to have changed completely from how they performed in Spa. This track was far more suited for them. And Red Bull had some issues from... Free practice won, didn't they? Uh, Anything you want to call out from from the practice sessions, Abby?
0: Well, you are definitely right that Mercedes seems to be having a better weekend. it It started off as a good weekend because Spa, they didn't do very well. I think Russell finished fourth and obviously Hamilton retired from the race, his first retirement of this season. But FP1, they were one and two. Russell was fastest, followed by Hamilton, which... Was very interesting, I think. I think Spa didn't play to the car setup, it didn't work for them. But Zanvoort looked to be quite a good track for Mercedes and the W13. Obviously, Verstappen had some trouble. He called qual- well, he finished 19th in FP1 due to some issues. I think he said over the radio it was a gearbox trouble, but there weren't any continuing issues across the weekend in that respect. FP2. Ferrari were fastest again. Hamilton was third, followed by Norris in fourth and Russell in fifth. Red Bull weren't that on the pace, actually, in FP2. They were eighth and twelfth, Perez being the latter one. And then FP3, Leclerc fastest again, with Russell second. Then Verstappen finally made it into the top three, followed by science Hamilton, and then Perez in sixth. So it's a strong track for all top three teams. Verstappen is considerably faster than his teammate. But for Mercedes, things were definitely looking up this weekend.
2: Indeed. So Ferrari seemed to have pace from practice. So did Mercedes. Catherine, did you think, oh, this might not be as easy for Red Bull as one was expecting this weekend?
1: I did expect it to be a bit more difficult because even Carlos Sainz, he looked pretty confident in Sandford. In fact, after his podium in Belgium, he said... Zandvoort is a good track for us, whereas Monza might not be as good. And then for Mercedes, I think that I knew that they were going to be competitive, especially because I thought that after the disaster in Spa, they were going to come back from it. Now, what I find really interesting about Mercedes is that during the first practice, they changed the heave spring. And sometimes, I don't know why, even the commentators were saying it, whenever they change this, they always end up having a good weekend then. Now, for those who don't know, the heave spring is basically situated above the suspension and it is connected to it by two rockers and basically these rotate whenever the car goes over bumps and curbs and so it helps it to have a smoother ride. And to be fair, it helped because Mercedes, they they, they would have struggled probably, but they had a pretty good race.
2: That's really interesting, Catherine. I didn't know that. You're educating me right here. So Abby's going. She's shaking her head. I, I didn't know that either. I didn't know. No, that. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have you, Catherine. Um, that's that's good to know. But you, you are right. I remember them saying they'd done some sort of setup change, and then suddenly Bosch, Um, You know that they're that they're, they're, uh, they're doing well. Going into qualifying. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this moment to talk about flares. Now, flares are fun, okay? I've never had a flare myself. I've never lit one off. I've never been uh, on a boat that's sinking where I've needed to or at a racetrack where I felt it's appropriate. What are your guys' thoughts before qualifying on flares at racetracks? Abby? I'll start with you.
0: I think they can enhance the atmosphere, but I also think they can impede it because if you get so many people lighting flares off... You won't be able to see the track because it will, like, what's the word?
2: Well, you can't you, on TV, you can't even see the track. So, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. For viewers, you there's so much smoke you can't see, and even for like the drivers and that, if it spreads across the track, if it travels across it, it's dangerous for them because, like, Zamvor is quite a narrow track, it has the banking and everything. So, to have this smoke come across and impede their vision, it is dangerous having the odd one or two after a tr- on-track session, I think is okay. But having them during an on-track session, I think is definitely not okay.
2: Yeah, so what we saw this weekend, I mean, the only flares I can really recall in sort of my my, my time watching F1 are orange flares. I can't I, I can't really... Uh, Catherine, you're a Tafosi. I can't recall red flares going off at Monza. Can you?
1: I think during a celebration, when, for example, like a driver actually gets a podium at Monza. I think they do light up flares. But as I remember from the 2019 win, it was like when Leclerc was on the podium, not when there was on-track action.
2: Yeah. So I I think, I I agree that they're good. They're also quite fun to look at on TV. It, It is an atmosphere thing. I totally agree. But what we saw in qualifying was, I think there's only one word for it, despicable. Uh, flares going onto the track. Now, I'm not sure how that happened. So, for people who don't follow F1 as closely as us, there was a rule brought in that you're not allowed flares at the track, which we we all knew wasn't going to be followed particularly strictly. And during the qualifying session, flares were going off. Again, we expected that. But then some of them ended up on the racetrack. Now, that brought out red flags. This is i find this really just just bizarre because if you're supporting your driver if you're if you're willing enough to spend your own money to buy a flare you like motorsport you're passionate why would you throw it on the track either of you anyone got any ideas because i'm i'm stuck on that one
0: i could only say that they get so wrapped up with emotion that they kind of lose control and think that a,
2: <laughs> stupid, a like <laughs>
0: idea, that stupid idea is a good idea at the time, I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it's practically logical.
2: No, I mean, I, I, was think, I was really thinking hard about this, and the only sort of solution I could come up with was that someone next to him and had gone, you're an idiot, mate, grabbed it off him and chucked it. That's, it uh, that's the only logical reason I can think that a flare would be thrown. Anyway... To, to, to finish on flares And then move on to racing It was uh, after qualifying Max Verstappen said "Yeah, I think he called them silly and stupid Along those lines for for doing that And we didn't see any Again until after the race I just want to say To all the motorsport fans that were there And the officials I am absolutely amazed That no flares went off during that race I I, I am absolutely to this moment Amazed that there was not one of them Anything else to add on flares, guys? I've had my rant.
0: No, I don't think there's much else to... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shut up, <Ollie>. Uh Cool. <laughs> Let's move on to qualifying then. Abby, would you like to talk a little bit about Q1? Um, this was the, the moment when we started to see reflective times of how the weekend was going to pan out, and we lost a couple of people that we shouldn't have lost.
0: Yeah, so Q1, obviously, Zanvo is a track that... Is quite difficult to overtake on, so getting a, getting into Q3 is particularly key. We saw Lando Norris have an unsafe release in the pits, which George Russell kindly pointed out over the radio. I don't think there was a penalty or anything for that. But then Vettel, during the session, he ended up going off track onto the gravel and he came on just as Lando was going past and then there was some speculation as to whether there should have been yellow flags in this instance. There weren't any at that point. And for Norris, it didn't impede one of his laps. He managed to get through, but sadly for Vettel, he was out. So the five drivers out in Q1 were Valtteri Bottas, Daniel Ricciardo, Kevin Magnussen, Sebastian Vettel and Nicholas Latifi.
2: So what I really remember again, I've slept since qualifying, so it's all a bit blurry for me. But what I really just stands out to me was Norris in P six and Danny Rick P eighteen. That it's just it's just not acceptable, Catherine.
1: I don't think it really hurts me to see Daniel Ricardo that way, and I feel that now he lost the motivation, in my opinion. But at the same time, it's just. I cannot blame him for it, but at the same time I can, because I just think that a really good driver would eventually adapt to any car. And last year I blamed it, maybe he never drove a Mercedes engine, let's give him a break. And at the beginning of the season, I was like, well, there are new regulations. But how long are you going to keep making up excuses
2: exactly and these are new cars everyone was in the same position at the start of this year right and yes there are fundamental traits of a mclaren versus a, a different racing car but he's been in it long enough abby do you think this is now he's actually losing respect from motorsport fans where he he's not finishing in a in a respectable manner and people can see that
0: i think it's dif- it's difficult because when A driver is set to leave a team. Like Catherine said, it can either give them a boost of determination and motivation, and they'll be like, I'm going to prove to you that you've made a mistake, letting me go, or they will just let it get them down. And I think for Ricardo, he has struggled so much with that car. And yes, he has had two years at McLaren, but this car is completely different to last year's. So he is in the same boat as Lando. And whether it's just that Lando is younger, so he's more adaptable to trying to figure out how a difficult car works, I don't know. It's, I think a lot of people still love Danny Rick. I think he still loves Formula One. It's just a tough position for him to be in. And we saw today on some of the broadcasts that he looked so dejected sometimes because of how his weekend was going.
2: Yeah, I mean the way the way I see it and again we'll move on from Danny Rick in a minute, but I feel like this he's auditioning now to get another seat in F one and he is he he hasn't performed very well in his audition. I would have thought that now's the time you take a sort of vouchery botass approach. You're getting rid of me? Right, I'm gonna go and win a few races now. Like he did. So I really hope with eight races to go that we can see Danny Rick perform or at least improve and get himself another seat in F1 otherwise I can't I'm struggling to see him next year moving on to Q2 Q2 was delayed moments after it started due to a flare on the track don't get me started don't get me started we'll move on from the flares Um, after the delay Max Verstappen went straight in and set the fastest time which was it was 0.1 seconds ahead of Hamilton's initial time Abby would you like to summarize the rest of Q2 for us
0: Sure. So it was the first time that since Spain that no Alpine has gotten into Q3, which considering the pace that that car has had this season, I was quite surprised at. But we had Gasly in 11th, he went out, followed by Ocon and then Alonso. So Quite interesting that Gasly and Ocon were next to each other, considering they're both in talks for Alpine. And then Joe in 14th and Alex Albon in 15th. So Albon beat out-qualified Latifi, but he didn't quite have the pace that he has shown in some practice sessions to get into Q3.
2: Albon out-qualified Latifi. Um, Catherine, does this surprise you at all? Not at all,
1: actually. I just... I am really impressed, though, by Alex Salvon because I feel like after what happened with Red Bull, when he was still driving for them, I was judging him a bit. I was like, listen, just stop complaining. You have to keep up with Max, you know. But he took a year off. And now that he came back, like with Williams, he has really impressed me and he has really been pushing that Williams, and we all know that although they improved, they are still miles off, you know, of competing against maybe the middle teams, so I'm really impressed by him, and uh, it doesn't surprise me at all, and honestly, I just, I really hope um, this is nothing against Latifi or anything, but I really hope that there is a new driver besides Albon. I just don't think that Latifi deserves to seat it anymore.
2: Uh, I I agree with you. Uh, listeners of our podcast will know that I agree with you. I've um, I've been his biggest critic, and um, I, I celebrate when he um, makes an overtake at, in any race. And he shouldn't be an F one. It's 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 just that simple do you think that albon is now the russell at williams because russell was able to prove himself show what he could do against a car that isn't you know meant to be in the midfield albon's doing the same and i think maybe it took him a very difficult time in his career to 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 learn how to do that abby do you do do are you with me
0: Yes I think Albon has definitely like taken that step up I think being in the Williams is kind of what he needed it isn't a great car but he is maximizing its potential yes he hasn't scored loads of points but he has proven his talent time and time again this season and it is great to have him back in F1 and back actually demonstrating what he can do.
2: So moving into Q3, it was Verstappen who went, Kapow, I've arrived, and set his the, set the fastest time. Abby just literally raised her eyebrows when I got so um, enthusiastic there. Um, would you like to explain what else happened in the rest of Q3? Because it was quite a dramatic climax to qualifying this week.
0: It certainly was. So the Red Bulls were out first, which compared to other qualifying sessions this season was a bit, unusual because they're not generally out first we had stroll who qualified p10 because he didn't actually put a flying lap in because he suffered a technical problem we did see a yellow flag for another flare but it did roll off the track so a red flag wasn't needed
2: don't get me started don't get me started
0: (laughs) and then conveniently perez was in front of the mercedes and both of them were doing a flying lap and Commentators and Toto had even said Hamilton was on for poll, but the session ended early because Perez spun and yellow flags were brought out, so before Russell and Hamilton could complete their laps, they had to abort them.
2: And this is where the conspiracy theorists would go, it was all planned. I am not one of them in this, in this scenario. But it was very good timing. We, we've seen some great timing this weekend. And sometimes you can't blame the conspiracy theorists, can you, Catherine?
1: No, it's just... No, it's maybe because I'm watching too much TikTok, maybe. But it's just when I saw it, I was like, well, this is reminding me of Crashgate. But at the same time, it's like, of course, they're all conspiracy theories, but it was really convenient, so... You, you cannot blame us you know we, we're trying to make it a bit more exciting we we know yeah. that Verstappen won the championship now
2: so we need something new to keep us entertained <laughs> well th- the thing is a lot of conspiracy theories in this world are true um and there's you know I'm not saying this is true just 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 for the record he spun it it was it was as simple as that but yes the internet lit up with it um, For legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to tell my, my real opinion on something else in a minute. So, starting on pole position, it was Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc in second, Carlos Sainz third, Lewis Hamilton fourth, with Perez behind, George Russell starting in sixth, with Lando Norris in seventh, followed by Mick Schumacher, oh my god, in eighth, and Yuki Sonoda in ninth, and Lance Stroll in tenth. Any surprises there, guys? My, oh my God, said set, set the surprise that I felt.
0: Yeah, I wasn't expecting Schumacher to get into Q3 and qualify eighth um, this weekend, but it was great to see. I was hoping that he could score some more points this weekend because I do like Schuie. So yeah, I was surprised that he managed to get there.
2: You like a Schuie or you like Schumacher?
0: Schumacher. Schuie's, <laughs> well, I feel like they'd be fun to do, but very disgusting.
2: Yeah, I, do, I, I have time. done one. I've done one once and I don't recommend <laughs> it. I was completely sober when I did it. Yes, yes, Oli, yes. Catherine, do you think Mick Schumacher is realised that he's fighting for his career now? He
1: surely did because now for all the seats that he has been linked with, there are like, other drivers who have a really good profile in f1 already that are linked with it too so he needs something to compete with because his record so far has not been that good he only earned points in silverstone and in austria so he only has 12 points to show but during qualifying i was also sort of impressed by yuki tsunoda i think we do not mention or appreciate the fact of how much better he's doing since last season
2: yeah, absolutely. And I think he's one of the sort of the forgotten sort of mid to rear end of the field. Uh, no one forgot him today, which we'll get on to. We suddenly remembered that he's driving in F1 and uh, what can happen. However, yes, I agree with you. He's he, he's a little, he, he's a bit of a, I was going to say the word weapon, but that can be offensive to um Depending on where you're from in this country, if you call someone a weapon. But what I mean is he's like um he's like that hidden blade on your on your on your um, Oh Catherine, help me. Just say what I'm trying to cause, say. Because
1: even the blades, you know, it's bad. Like But no, but I do get you. Like he has been really useful for Alpha Tauri. So they he's really good for their strategy. He's like um what was it called?
2: a trojan horse
1: (laughs) trojan horse i think that's that's a better way of putting it
2: yeah there's a little guy inside the horse i'm with you um cool okay we are going to go into everyone's favorite part of the show yes it is the national anthem review so the national anthem review we knew it was going to be good from the build-up towards the race. We had DJs, um, we had lots of partying, we had um, lots of Dutch house music. It was all good fun and I don't know if any of you guys spotted it, but you could see that band. They, they were there for a long time, weren't they? I was like, well, they're not playing the house music, are they? So how how, how is this going to go down? Abby, would you like to give your National an Anthem rating and a short verbatim of how you felt about it?
0: I thought you were going to say a short rendition of it then. I was like, no, I'm not going (laughs) to
2: sing it. (laughs) Oh, please. Well, Catherine admitted that she can't sing last week, so I might ask her.
0: (laughs) Um, I'd say, like, it was a five out of ten. I didn't... I was expecting more from the atmosphere that was there with, like you said, the pumping music and everything. I was expecting a bit more. It was... She's a very good singer, and I'm sure it's a great national anthem, if you understand it and speak Dutch. Which is a language I don't speak.
2: But. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) happy.
0: It was just very calm, I felt. For Zanvor, which I always feel is like supposed to pump you up and that, it was just a calm national anthem, which I didn't feel matched the atmosphere that was there. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) Um, Catherine, what would you give it?
1: (laughs) I'm going to give it a four. I do not want to disrespect any Dutch people listening to this podcast.
2: No, because because they will, they will put a flare exactly. in your house. So but don't do I just,
1: It's just, it's not the national anthem. It's the way that it was Um, not even sang. It was the way that it was played. It's just at the beginning of it, I thought that they were going to play the 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> I actually, I was like, I heard this before. And it wasn't before a football match. Because normally when I hear the Dutch anthem, like during the World Cup or something, I was like, hmm, this is like, it's one of the anthems that you would like to hear, you know? Yeah, Not it, it, it's it's,
2: o- it's that- only your mixtape of national anthems, right? It's a good... Yeah,
1: an- exactly. But it's just, when I heard it at the Grand Prix, I was like, is this a Dutch national anthem? Like, are they sure? Like, Christmas is a bit far off. I know we're in September, we're going in autumn, <laughs> but it's a bit far off still.
2: Okay, I, 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 I didn't see the link to Christmas myself, but I agree with you in most in everything else you said. I also thought it was really short it was like it, 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 it was building 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 and then she did this massive ah! and then it was finished I, I'm never singing again on this podcast but that's that's sort of how it came across to me I however give it a seven maybe I was in a good mood at the time I don't know but I thought the, having a band compared to Spa last week when it she, they didn't have the budget for anyone else they only just about managed a microphone I thought I thought this one was a little bit better
0: I also loved Daniel Ricciardo, who was kind
2: of along to it. <laughs> How did I forget that? He
0: was. All the drivers were stood there. Like, straight straight face, and he was there, and he was just, like, swaying to the beat. I was like,
2: that's cool. I, I it, was it was almost works. like he was dancing to something else, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, in fact, he had the headphones around his neck, too. So maybe he was just to something else, but I just thought, I think it was Zeb Vetter next to him. <laughs> and I could see their smile. Like, they want to be out laughing,
2: but they do not want to be disrespectful. And why was Max... Okay, okay I, I know the answer. Max is Dutch, right? I know that. But why was Max standing next to the trophy that he hadn't won yet,
0: because when you're in Zandvoort, <laughs> because they assumed that Max is going to win the race no matter going...
2: For people who can't see uh, the sarcasm on Abby's face, <laughs> <laughs> um, Catherine, I, I, I did not like that one bit. Lewis Hamilton doesn't stand next to the trophy at Silverstone while the national anthem is playing.
1: Well, what can I say? This just gives. More and more ideas to the conspiracy theorists. I'm not going to lie. It's just, it's, it makes our mind run miles. Makes us run faster than Max Verstappen. I'm not going
2: to lie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they, <laughs> they knew he was going to win. We're like, no, we're going to put him next to the trophy. But at the same time. Jokes aside, I think that like, when you go to Holland and you ask someone about Max Verstappen, I think last time dalila was telling us about it, like they treat him as their son. So I think that they are so, they feel that he is so special and I don't think that they had many successful F1 drivers, if any. So I think for them, it's like a big achievement, so:
2: Well Jos wasn't one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah for sure. So So I think they were like, "You know what? We have a world champion. We, we need to make sure that everyone recognizes that.
2: I'm going to write to um, uh, Stuart Pringle, uh, who, uh, who is the head of Silverstone, and I'm going to suggest that Lewis Hamilton stands next to the trophy before the next race at Silverstone. How do you think that would go down, Abby? <laughs>
0: Well, there's two other British drivers on the grid, and one of them's Lewis's teammate, so I feel like if you have one, you need
2: all three. No, but Lewis is a a seven-time champion, eight according to some other people, but surely he is our son. He's the son of England. Sir Lewis should stand next to the uh, trophy, No.
1: I think now, though, with with England, it's a bit more tricky. Because, you see, England, they have many successful sportsmen, you know. You have Formula One, football, sort of successful. You have the women's football now, too, you know, the Lionesses. So, Mm. England is a bit of a different story.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Anthony Joshua off that list for what he did a few weeks ago. Um, He needs his OBE stripped. There we go. Said it. Feel much better. Anyway let's move on to the race review before i get in myself in more trouble the first lap was less chaotic than we had seen in other series abby would you like to walk us through that first lap
0: with max on pole my first thought was is he going to be able to maintain the lead because across this weekend with both f2 and f3 Only Felipe Drogovic today in F2's feature race started on pole and was able to maintain the lead going into turn one. It looks like P2 was the better place to start, which would have been Leclerc. However, for the Max fans, it was very good because Verstappen did manage to maintain the lead into turn one. There was a little scuffle, shall we say, between Hamilton and Sainz. There was some brief contact, I think, going into the corner which thankfully didn't cause any damage to them, which I was very relieved about because I thought Hamilton would end up retiring from the race and I was so scared. That I, did,
2: I did feel a little Spa throwback at that particular moment.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, but the tyre strategy was very interesting because Hamilton, Russell, Norris, Schumacher, Magnussen and Albon were all on mediums. They were the only ones, which was interesting because all the others were on softs But, obviously, it played into Verstappen's and Ferrari's hands as they managed to get ahead. And Russell did fall down the grid a bit. He ended up behind Norris.
2: Yes. Now, this was a race of strategy, so we thought. And what I found interesting, before we go any further, is that Mercedes were planning the one-stop. Now, at this track, you would expect safety cars. Therefore, you would plan for more than one stop, right? What? Why didn't they? Catherine, I mean, I know these people are paid a lot more than me, who, who sits here and just gives my views after the fact, but that one-stop strategy that Mercedes were aiming for was quite brave.
1: I think um, during the race, so you had the virtual safety car, and then you had the safety car, and there were a lot of confusion that... and. A lot of more data coming out from how the tires were reacting to the track that i think the teams were forced to make the pit stops and because you also had two um two periods in which you weren't going to lose as much time while making a pit stop they're like we might as well do it we also have to remember that the tires they were having like huge degradation so basically the teams needed to change the tires or else there were Well, they weren't going to keep their lead for sure. Just like what happened to Hamilton at the very few last moments of the race. But we'll get on to that soon. So, yeah, basically, that is what happened. And I think Alonso set the tone for this. So Fernando Alonso was the first one that put on the hard compound tyre. Because as I said previously, many of the teams thought that the medium would be the best. But it turned out that the hard was the best. And I think Alpine really played it well. Because even on Friday, I watched the first practice and they were testing all the tyres. Whereas the teams were being a bit more safe. So they were having a period with the hard and then they were like, we need to test our speed, put on the softs. Whereas Alpine were running a completely different programme. Once you see the data from the other drivers, of course, you're going to think about it and you're going to be like, okay, we need to change that. And in fact, even, for example, Max Verstappen up and went on to have four pit stops at the end of the race.
2: Indeed. So it, it it was a strategy race, but it was all changed by the events, which we're going to go on to. On lap two, Kevin Magnussen went off the track and he, he did his off-roading, clipped the barrier, uh, drifting. It was... It was cool as hell. Kevin Magnussen. I think he's more skilled off-track than on-track. It was pretty good, Catherine, right? I'm giving him a lot of credit here because he deserves it. Most other drivers would have just spun that, left it in the gravel, and uh, that's the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always like Kevin Magnussen, and he has a lot of experience, and I feel that he is very responsible, too. So, I...
2: I'm not sure I agree with you there. He, he crashes more than anyone else. No,
1: I mean he doesn't really crash as much this year.
2: Uh, well, okay, maybe just with Hamilton, but
1: yeah, I mean you know what? In the previous years, he had um, a lineup of Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean. Like it was carnage. It was basically <laughs> Wembley at the Euro final.
2: Catherine said that, not me.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Gunther. I think they can agree, though, know, And I think Gunther said way worse than me about them. So, But I think you now Kevin, he is also in a position... Where he has Mick Schumacher by his side. And I think he knows that like right now he's sort of his mentor, if you can call it that. So yeah, I just see that this year he is more responsible. He's trying to be more careful on how he, um, portrays himself on the track. And I think it just shows you how even like maybe a year off or a, a period off from, from the track can also change you.
2: Indeed, indeed. I am a fan of Kevin Magnuson just just for the reference. I think he's absolutely awesome. Um but Verstappen, he was off into the distance from early from, from early days. Abby, would you like to continue what's happened? Yeah,
0: so we had obviously Verstappen driving way, way out front, which I thought would make for a particularly boring race, because you can't overtake it, Sandhort. And I was like, Well, he was on pole, he's kept the lead so he's gonna win and that'll be that however a lot did play out eventually we had Science versus Hamilton at one point but then Hamilton got ahead because Science started to pit now in the pits he was held by the team because on the replay that Sky Sports showed you could see he came in and three mechanics came out each carrying a tyre but they didn't have the left rear tyre so they did the other three, and you could see them all looking around, like, well, where's this tyre? We can't do it.
2: Where's Dave?
0: <laughs> and then they had the hose for the, or the... Is it the hose or the wheel gun?
2: It's a wheel gun. Uh, wheel a hose gun. is used in gardening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they had the wheel gun for the left rear tyre, just strewn across the pits, and Perez, who had just pitted behind Science, came out and he drove over it. And he broke it. And then they let science go once they'd eventually got that tyre and fitted it and he could leave the pits.
2: Somehow I've missed this on my notes, this particular part. I think it's probably because I was laughing so much at the time. Catherine, surname Defosi, how did you feel about this particular, um, as James would put it, and I quote, cock up?
1: I told myself that this weekend I will not have a rant on the podcast because I feel that the listeners are getting (laughs) tired of it. Or it might be entertaining for them. But I just... I, I was like it was really weird. Because if you cannot... First of all, we all know how the tyres are all in a set. So where, what happened to the other tyre? Did they put it in a wardrobe and it went off to an Narnia? Like, what happened to it?
2: <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And Nico Rosberg said that F2 and F3 race strategists uh f- for pit stops are better than ferrari
1: at this and point even me and my flatmate were saying that we are better at it
2: yeah because do you know what f3 they don't even have planned pit stops right so <laughs> that was a big big statement from nico Rosberg that I, I i couldn't stop laughing when he said it. it's just
1: it's actually beyond me and at least okay if you cannot find the other tire what they would normally do, they report it to the engineer. Be like, listen, we are having a problem with the pit stop. Let the driver out. If you already know about the problem, let the driver out. And when you find the next tire, you just bring him in. But that didn't happen. And this still makes me question Mattia Benotto. And it's just because even if you are at a normal day job, if you don't do it right, you are going to get, you know, like you're going to get a warning or something. You are in Formula One. These people have the privilege of working in a sport that so many people want to work in. And they are messing it up like that. And I feel that maybe they get away with it weekend after weekend. And I have a feeling that the same was going to happen to Leclerc. I don't know whether anyone caught up on this. But I saw them. They were prepared with medium tyres. Leclerc stayed out. I was like, isn't he going to pit? And then they came out again with the the hard compound. So it was either a late change in strategy, but I, I would believe that they were going to mess up again.
2: <laughs> At least you say it. Now, uh, I noticed Abby's probably seen what I've just seen, but there is breaking news that has happened. Just as we, we are here right now reading this, that the deal between Red Bull and Porsche is off breaking news for you we will cover more on that on the news from the nerds podcast on wednesday but breaking news so it was uh george russell and lewis hamilton uh pitting lap 3032 lewis came up behind perez and this led to a bit of space where perez wasn't going to give this position and then sebastian Vettel said uh, hi guys, I used to drive for Red Bull Racing and um, really messed up Lewis and, and Perez nearly got him. Abby, what did you make of this at the time? I couldn't believe what I was seeing.
0: I was so stressed at this point. Like, I thought all three of them were going to DNF. I mean, it's great racing, but I was so stressed and nervous. It, it shows that the cars this year work because they all followed each other very closely for Vettel... Yes, he could have let them pass, but he just came out of the pits. I don't know whether he actually saw them initially, but then he did ignore blue flags and he was summoned to the stewards for that. Eventually, Lewis does get past them. He gets past Vettel, but then Perez obviously gets past Vettel as well. So... It was very intense racing. I think Ted Kravitz from Sky Sports said it was plan OMG as <laughs> yeah, Ferrari that and that so
2: funny. <laughs> go through the
0: alphabet. Plan OMG. And it literally was. It was so good, but also very stressful to watch.
2: Indeed. Now, um, Catherine, we have just had more breaking news as we're recording um, about the decision on the wheel gun or hose, as Abby calls it, that was um, left out. Do you? Would you like to fill us in?
1: Yeah, so basically, um, they were thinking that maybe Sergio Perez was having an unsafe release from his pit stop, but it was confirmed that, of course, the wheel gun was not left in its usual position, so there was no further action taken against Sergio Perez. And now it was also confirmed that there is no further action taken against Carlos Sainz for approaching the pit position in an unsafe manner. I think it was the same time as when there was the whole wheel gun. So yeah, basically they just decided it's <laughs> nothing. nothing big.
2: I think they've 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 investigated the wrong things here. Why aren't they investigating Ferrari leaving it there in the first place? Do exactly. We know? Do we know that? Has that been covered yet? But I, I, I think they're just giving Ferrari a break, probably. Oh, hang on. It says the stewards determined that Ferrari's wheel gun allocated to the rear left wheel was placed a bit further away from its user position, but still in the inner lane. Right. Okay. They, they have looked at it. So Max Verstappen into the distance at this point. And then Yuki Tsunoda decides to pit, which is where we're going to have a lot of discussion, I'm sure. Um, there was an issue with the front left, apparently during that pit stop. Um, and we weren't sure if it was connected. We, we didn't know what the issue was, but Yuki pulled over uh, to the right of the track at this point and started on doing his seat belts. Um, what followed that, Abby?
0: Well, he kept saying over the radio, tyres not fitted, tyres not fitted. And at this point, science had just pitted before. So, yellow flags, I believe, or there was talk of a safety car coming out, which would have screwed up science because he'd just pitted. But then, Sonoda carried on. And then Leclerc decides to pit. But Sonoda then gets told to stop. So, he pulls over to the side of the track. And then a virtual safety car then comes out. But at this point, the only driver that needed to pit was Max Verstappen. And Yuki Tsunoda is an Alfa Alpha
2: Alfie, look Alfa Tower. <laughs> Max Verstappen is an Alfa Tower.
0: <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda is an Alfa Tauri driver. So very convenient in the timings.
2: And for those that don't know this, Red Bull own Alfa Tauri. Okay, just to be clear, they are a sister team, but Red Bull own AlphaTauri. So, Catherine, what do you think on this? Now, there are conspiracy theorists. I was one of them at, the, at this particular time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend I wasn't. Red Bull were in a position where they didn't think they were going to win this race, and then a very strange, unknown problem happens, which Yuki couldn't even explain in the post-race interviews.
1: It was very very strange and what was strange for me is how Yuki is reporting a problem but then the Tower team is telling him there isn't any problem. So what is going on because I would assume that if a tyre is loose the drivers would feel it and that would probably be the case because the the drivers are one with the car. So what the car is feeling the, probably the drivers are feeling. So it was very strange. At that moment, I didn't really think about the conspiracy theory. I think at that moment, I sort of wanted a safety car because I still had that last bit of hope that Ferrari would, you know, do something. <laughs> yeah,
2: he so, is on the show.
1: <laughs> but um, it is very strange. Red Bull has a lot of convenient timings this week, I I don't want to sort of play much into it because at the same time um it's it can be deemed that sort of nonsense mm-hmm. but it, it does make you think
2: yeah and there are racing gods you know and these things happen in favor of different people all, all the time um i just a few things i noticed yuki found a problem was told to drive on they then went checked redid his seatbelts, sent him back out and then told him to stop because there was still a problem I just found it very interesting the um, race strategist's reaction to this on the pit wall. It was almost like, yeah, promotion. That, that was what I read on her face, uh, Abby. I, I'm not. I'm not feeding this conspiracy. I truly believed it at the time. I thought absolutely there were there was not much more that Red Bull could do at that point. That was exactly what needed to happen. They own that other team. Yuki was a sacrificial lamb. Do you believe that?
0: I think there could be some underlying truth to it, but I do think that there was a problem. I don't know what how Alpha would explain it. But yeah, the pit wall, they did seem very happy with how things turned out, which for me as a Hamilton fan and Mercedes fan over Red Bull and Verstappen, I was not. But for them it worked. So
2: now at this point it is worth mentioning there is an ongoing investigation. Um, UK has been summoned to the stewards over this, and we don't yet have the results. So, if we get them, whilst we're still recording, we will tell you what they are. Um, What happened after that? So, it was all a bit of chaos here, really. Verstappen pitted ahead of Hamilton, uh, Mercedes double-stacked, and we thought it was game over. Max Verstappen's got this, everything's worked out their way, maybe there's a conspiracy, maybe there isn't. But the racing gods, they said, hold on, we're just going to Zandvoort now. We we, 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 we were over there at that karting track. Now we're going back to Zandvoort. Bottas broke down, ex-Mercedes driver. (laughs) I'm not feeding the conspiracies here, I swear. But broke down on the pit straight of all places to break down. Uh, Abby, would you like to explain what happened there?
0: Yeah, so Bottas was going down the main straight and then he said, I've lost the engine. So he pulled over to the side. At that point, you had Science and Norris, and Sainz and Ocon, I believe, and Science overtook under the yellow flags at that point. A safety car was then brought out because of Bottas' car parked on the track. Max then pitted to go onto Softs, thinking there's not many laps left, we can do this, it will go to the end, get the fastest lap as well. But Hamilton stays out. Leclerc then decides to pit.
2: And that was, sorry, Abby, that was for track position. So Hamilton stayed out so that he got into first, and this is where it gets a bit Abu Dhabi-like.
0: Yes, I did have flashbacks to last year's season finale.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: Leclerc pits, and then Russell also decided to pit because he said over the radio that he's not really feeling the tyres that he had on at at that point. He wants softs. So then... Drivers are in the pits. There's an unsafe release, but with Ferrari and Alpine. And then you have the safety car restart. Now, Hamilton's leading. And then you have Latifi, who has been lapped at this point, in between Hamilton and Max.
2: What is it with Latifi at safety cars, Max <laughs> and Hamilton? What What is it, man? Oh, God. Well, all unlapped cars
0: were allowed to un. All lapped cars were allowed to unlap themselves not at this just point. the
2: ones in between the two of them no
0: no <laughs> every you can see single why I'm one digging of there, them right
2: yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> but at this point Hamilton is on used mediums and Max was on new softs which does echo Abu Dhabi
2: mm. I need my ca- I just need to call my counselor one minute
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then the safety car comes in and obviously at this point Hamilton's leading but uh, he went too early after the restart. That Max, with the Red Bull straight line speed, was able to just sail past him on those new softs and take the lead, which then put it Verstappen, Hamilton, Russell, Leclerc.
2: So let's dig into this a bit. This is so reminiscent of uh, Abu Dhabi; it's unbelievable. But ultimately, there's a there's a there's a few points here. Mercedes pitted Russell, who was going to be in front of Verstappen. So Hamilton won, Russell 2, Verstappen 3. If they had left Russell out, that would have meant Verstappen had to overtake them all. I've heard, obviously, all the post-race interviews. Verstappen said he would have overtaken them anyway. It would have been worse for them, but at that particular moment in time, Hamilton felt really pissed off about this uh, and was very vocal about it because he didn't know that George Russell said, right, I want these tyres, this is what I want to do. He thought Mercedes had made that decision. Hindsight speaking, Abby, what would you have done?
0: It's difficult because I can see... Like Jensen Button even said that that Hamilton and Russell both should have stayed on the mediums, which could have provided Mercedes with a one-two, but Verstappen was on new tyres, so that is incredibly unlikely. Yes, it would have put a buffer between Verstappen and Hamilton, but he would have just overtaken them both anyway. I think for George to say, I don't feel great on these tyres, I want the softs, we can get at least one podium with it, was
1: the right call to make.
2: Uh, Catherine, do you agree with that?
1: I agree. And I think we also need to remember that even Leclerc was on new tyres. And in fact, he overtook Hamilton because of that. So I just think that, first of all, I found that it was really disrespectful from Hamilton to go at his team like that. Because considering how they started the season, I just... Like, probably, we didn't even think that now Mercedes will be even contesting for second place in the yeah. constructors,
2: yeah, he was qualifying so, in sixteenth at the start of the season, right?
1: Exactly. So look at how much work they've put into it, and he just slashes out at them like that. And also, When um, they were switching positions, he literally was making it difficult a bit for George Russell, I feel. Whereas he wasn't making it as difficult for Max Verstappen to overtake him. So I was like, what is he going at, honestly? Like, no disrespect to him. But I feel that he should have acted way better, especially coming from a professional like him.
2: Yeah, I think Hamilton's restart was awful. He handed it to Verstappen. um, And we just have to acknowledge how incredible that, that move from Verstappen was. I don't know if you two have seen the, 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 the photo that I that I sent you both on our uh, team chat, but there is a photo. Um, it's in... What channel did I put it in? Live race chat. Have a quick look. But it is where the overtake line is. Essentially, when you restart the race, you can only, only overtake after a certain line. Max Verstappen was inches behind Hamilton because he wasn't allowed to overtake. He just... My point is, he timed it incredibly. It was was an amazing move from Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton gave that position to Max. It wasn't his best moment. I think Newis knew that. He was then heated. And then for your teammate to start attacking you, that's where it got a bit painful. Abby, do you think Mercedes should have said, right, let George pass, or do you think racing is racing?
0: I think racing is racing, but I think at that point... In the race, obviously, Mercedes haven't had a very good season, so they want to optimise their results as best as they can and get the most points that they can and to let Russell past was the best decision, I think, and it was there was a very close moment between the two of them, and I think Russell did a great job at not slamming into the back of Hamilton. I know he joked afterwards and said, oh, we like to keep things close, but that was a very impressive move to not end up crashing in Tamden.
2: Yes. And it was very rem- reminiscent of 2014 in Barcelona where Lewis and Nico hit each other because they were fighting. Um, if George Russell hadn't got past, that would have been a much worse result for Mercedes. So he, he had to get past. And then Catherine Leclerc got past Lewis Hamilton onto the podium. How did you feel about that? Did you feel like, ah, yes, redemption, some sort of payoff for everything you've been through?
1: I don't know, actually. Like, even last week, even Carlos Sainz got a podium, but I'm just not feeling it. It's just, especially when I see that about only three people show up for Carlos Sainz last week, and then Charles Leclerc is welcomed with all the support from Ferrari, which I think is pretty unfair, So right now, to be fair, okay, we got some more points, but I am still not that thrilled because it's just I want us to get good results and I want us to be competitive. It's just seeing that Red Bull now are 135 points ahead in the constructors for me is disappointing, considering
2: where we were at the beginning of the season. But yeah, back back in the day where you back were. Back in the
1: day. Good old <laughs> exactly. days.
2: Exactly. So it was Max Verstappen who obviously went on to win the Grand Prix, uh, a dominant performance by Max again. Um, and despite what happened with Yuki, I thought their second safety car leveled it out. I thought it was a fair race in the end. George Russell, obviously overtook Lewis Hamilton and got himself into P2, Charles Declare P3. Hamilton finished in P4, extremely unhappy at the time, has since apologised to his team and said that he was just emotionally charged. Sergio Perez finished P5, Alonso in P6, who we haven't men- mentioned whatsoever, uh, Lando Norris P7, Sainz 8th. Uh, Esteban Ocon, P9, and finishing off the top 10 was Lance Stroll.
1: Let's not forget to mention, though, that Sainz had a five second penalty because of his unsafe release Uh, with the LP. So that's why he was eight.
2: I was just looking at it thinking, I can't can't remember why why he's eight. (laughs) Right. Gotcha. And at that point, that, that five second penalty, where was he running, Catherine? So he was
1: running in fifth, and he was going to finish behind Lance Stroll in 11th. But the racing gods came in, and they decided to, you know, make our lives a bit easier. And when Sergio Perez was going to overtake Carlos Sainz at turn one, he went off the track. According to Perez, Sainz pushed him off, but the new regulations say that if the other car is not ahead, then you do not have to leave this space. And that is what science did. So no penalty was given there and science was fair and square. Meanwhile, Paris lost some time. So that played in science's favor and he didn't finish outside the points.
2: Indeed. Now, there still may be changes to these race results. Investigations are ongoing. But what we can confirm is the two drivers not to finish the race. uh, DNFs were Bottas and Yuki Tsunoda.
1: Yuki Tsunoda just got his results out, which I am just opening right now. And he got a reprimand. For what? So, for driving on track in an unsafe condition.
2: Hmm. Hmm, okay, that is latest breaking news. By the time you hear this, you will already probably know it, but um, we have just found that out. Okay, so I think that there are no further investigations going on, so this race result is now final. Latifi finished uh, last on tra- I feel like I single him out. I, I don't. Latifi finished last on track. He was the only driver to be lapped. Um, in front of him was Daniel Ricardo, 17th. Let's say no more. Um, K-Mag finished 15th. Uh, Mick Schumacher finished in 13th. I I still think that's a good result.
1: It would have been better if he got points. But um, considering how it all played out, I think that even today, Lance Stroll, he was faster. And to be fair, Schumacher got his position in qualifying because Aston Martin had a hydraulic problem with Stroll's car. So he couldn't compete for a better position.
2: Yep, indeed. Uh, Albon, 12th. Gasly, 11th. But yeah, I think we've covered it all. Oh, that means it is time to move on to the driver of the day. Ladies first, alphabetical order, Abby.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to say Russell, because he finished P2. He had great pace and he maximized the potential of that Mercedes. And he made a brave call at the end, the right call, to decide to go on to the softs. And he had a battle with Perez down the main straight, I believe, and he managed to get past very easily. It looked effortless. And he also managed to not slam into the back of Lewis. So Russell
2: is my driver of the day. You've almost changed my mind on that, Abi. Think, I think I agree with you. Uh, Catherine... <laughs>
1: We didn't mention him a lot today, but I'm going to give mine to Fernando Alonso. Really? I, I mean, to be fair, he did start in 13th mm-hmm. and he finished in 6th. Sixth. Sixth? Yep. Sixth. Yeah. So he did a pretty good race. And even like with the tyres, I feel like he's always the one that makes the right call. And then the other drivers just get the pressure and they're like, OK, we need to follow Alonso's lead. So I'm going to give, give it to him. He drove like a lion.
2: I, do you know what? I think that's fair as well. It, because there was so much focus today on all the other drivers. Yeah, that's a solid result. I'm going to do something I absolutely hate. Um, Max Steppens is my driver of the day. That's all I'm saying. Anyone? I'm <laughs> Can surprised. you believe it, Abby? <laughs> I
1: thought well. that a meteor had to hit Earth for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Quoting Stefano Domenicali. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: He, he did do a great drive today, despite some things that happened. But, yeah, considering you're a Lewis fan. I'm
2: I am, but this. it was the thing was, it was fair and square. The Yuki Tsunoda incident happened, and at that point I thought, right, maybe things may be happening behind the scenes here. But when the safety car came out, it was, it was fair and square. Uh, they had to race to the end, and the best man won.
1: That's fair enough. You deserve respect for that. It's not easy from a Lewis fan.
2: (laughs) From a Lewis fan?
1: Yeah, like, I have a friend who's a Lewis fan, and honestly, if I mention Max Verstappen, just the name, not even Abu Dhabi, just Max Verstappen or Red Bull, that's it.
2: No, I'm 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 fair. I'm a fan of the sport before a driver, and... If I wasn't, then this would be called the Lewis Hamilton podcast, but it's not. Uh, Max Verstappen is my driver of the day, thought he did absolutely epic today and worked hard for it. And last but not least, it is the standings in the championship. Catherine, would you like to start?
1: So, the Drivers' Championship has become really interesting now. Not for Max Verstappen, he's ahead with 310 points, but Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez are equal on 201 points. Meanwhile... George Russell is chasing them with 188 points, while Carlos Sainz is in 5th with 175. Lewis Hamilton is trying to keep up with 158 points. And then there is quite a huge gap as Norris is in 7th with 82. Ocon and Alonso are following each other with 66 and 59 points, while Bottas for Alfa Romeo He's, in 40, he's with 46 points in 10th position.
2: I never thought we'd hear the day Lewis Hamilton is trying to keep up wow how times have changed um Abby would you like to do the constructors for us which again is getting quite interesting
0: yes so Red Bull are obviously in the lead with a massive gap they're on 511 points Ferrari are behind them on 376 points Mercedes are slowly catching up to Ferrari, only 30 points behind on 346. Alpine are solidly in fourth on 125 points, with McLaren behind in fifth on 101 points. Alfa Romeo are in sixth on 51 points, with Haas behind them on 34 points. Alfa then in eighth on 29 points, but Aston Martin are in ninth on 25 points, so they are very close to Alfa and Williams are intense on only four
2: points. So that brings us to the end. Catherine, this 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 is your moment. Where are we next week?
1: Next week we're in Monza. But unfortunately I cannot be with you guys next week. I oh am going no. I'm going to be watching from Torino. I am really hoping because you see, I'm a Juventus fan, and next week we have Monza, and in the evening I'm going to go watch Juventus live. And I'm hoping that I don't have a double disappointment, especially <laughs> I'm since I'm going to be in Italy.
2: I'm also not here next week. That means that someone else has to host this podcast. Who's I it think gonna
1: Abby, be? Abby is going to do it on her own then. <laughs> a- a- Abby, who's going to host?
0: I mean, I could give it a go. I yeah. think
2: I could do it. Yeah. you up for it? Yeah. All right, if Lewis Hamilton wins, I might change my mind. But, uh, <laughs> it is a triple header, and we've, we've gone to Spa, Zandvoort, and the third one, obviously, is Monza. I mean, what three tracks to have in a triple header? Triple headers don't get much better than this, do they, Abby?
0: No, they certainly do not, and it has been a great second half to this season, so I'm excited for Monza, and then we have a little bit of a break, and then we come back to Singapore
2: and Singapore also is an incredible track, well, track I absolutely love, and hopefully by that point Sam will be back to talk to us about this, because for those that don't know, he was in Spa covering all the F2 and F3 action, he's in Zandvoort right now, and he's going to Monza as well, I mean that's what dreams are made of. Sam, I'm very jealous of you. So until then, where can everyone go to read the latest, best news?
1: www.formulanerts.com
2: And Abby, what will they find there?
0: All the latest news from Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3, Formula E and W Series as well.
2: Abby, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Always a pleasure.
2: (laughs) Always a pleasure. Um, Catherine, is it ever a chore? It's never a chore. So, you should come back on Wednesday, Abby, for...
0: Cool, some more.
2: <laughs> we will see you next week. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's Lights Out and away we go! Away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.